Wow. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Cynthia. Wow, if that isn't clear, that all of our hope is in Jesus. See, we really wanted to make sure that came across <laughs> to all of you today on this Easter. Let me once again just welcome all of you uh, to Fellowship Church and to our Easter worship service. Uh, this is very much a big deal to us, um, and the reason it is is not just because it's, it's Easter and, and a holiday, but because it is the day that we uh, remember uh, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And uh, we, to, to, to all of us as believers, uh, that means everything uh, to us, which is why we're excited and, and celebrate in the way uh, that we are, uh, the way we're doing today. So welcome. I hope you have already been blessed and that you will continue to be blessed and encouraged by being a part of our service uh, today. Our theme for the message today is the precious blood of Christ, and you were just, we were just singing about it uh, very clearly in that last song. And, and that word, uh, precious, really, when, it, when it's attached to Christ's blood, it really makes you ask the question, why the word precious to describe Christ's blood? We use that word precious in many ways, but not usually uh, to describe blood. For example, we'll say babies are, are precious, and they are. And, and we'll say that moments in life and, and memories can be so precious to us. And of course, yes, we have to say puppies are also <laughs> precious. And if you've ever lived in the South, which we did for a while, everything is precious. <laughs> Because that word is used often to describe a lot of different things. And here uh, in the passage we're going to be looking at today, Peter uses that word to describe Christ's blood. And I know that talking about blood, it can be, it can be unnerving for some. But, but it's impossible to talk about the true gospel of Jesus Christ and not talk about the blood of Jesus and we very much intend today to talk about the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here in 1 Peter, in our text for today, Peter refers to Christ's blood and he refers to it as precious. And, and I want to ask the question, why would he do that? And we're going to go through this text. And what I'd like to do today is just give you five reasons that Christ's blood is referred to as precious. And before we get started, I want to just ask you all a question to consider right up front as we go into this. And here's the question. Are you living in a way that demonstrates Christ's blood as precious? And I just want you to have that, that question in your mind and, and in your thoughts as we continue to go forward. And I'll get back to that question a little bit later. But now what I'd like to do is just ask God to bless our time. And I'm going to pray in a very specific way. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit of God would give each one of you uh, ears to hear, eyes to see. And the reason I pray that way is because the scripture teaches that is how we understand spiritual things. So I'm going to pray that way for all of us. So would you, would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you so much for the time that we've already had together, giving you the praise and the, and, and the glory that you are due. And, and, and yet, Lord, we can't come close to, to matching uh, the worth that you have 
even in all that we're singing and testifying to. Lord, I pray that this, would, this time of preaching and teaching would still continue to be a way to give you praise and glory. And I pray for each and every person that is here, that you would give them ears to hear, uh, eyes to see. Lord, no matter what their background is, no matter even what it is that they uh, came in here with, that they've held onto maybe for so long, that they would know that they have heard from God and that God has truth for them. And Holy Spirit of God, I know that's the work that you do, and I trust in you to do that work. We ask you to. Now, Lord, bless this time as we look into your holy word and submit ourselves to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start by reading the text. It's 1 Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open it. If you don't have your Bible, that's fine. It'll be on the screens as well, and you can follow along with me as I read. This is the Apostle Peter. He wrote this letter, and he's writing it to Christians who are kind of scattered in the Asia Minor area, and and they're among a lot of pagans, and so they're considered exiles living as Christians, and he's writing this letter to them. So 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter here is talking to these Christians and he's telling them about the revelation of Christ, that, that Christ is going to return. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's like, don't go back to the way that you used to be, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written. And then he refers back to scripture. You shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And so from this passage, again, I'd like to give you five reasons that Christ's blood is precious. And before we get to the first reason, what I'd like to do first is define our terms so that we're all seeing this the same way. We're on the same page. The word precious there in verse 19 comes from a Greek word and it's timios. And that word timios has a meaning. And and the meaning is, it, it means valuable, costly, honored, esteemed. And, and so as, as we're going through this, let's all remember that, keep that in mind so we're thinking about this in the same way. So the first reason is Christ's blood is precious because it keeps believers living in the fear of God. It keeps believers uh, living in the fear of God. Now, I'm going to pull all of these reasons out of the text. I'm not making these up. They're coming from the text. And, and, I'll, and I'll show you that as we, as we go along. So this is in verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And so in this passage, we see that 
we are to be holy as God is holy. And, and Peter is saying, if you call God your father. So now he's talking to all of us. If you call God your father, and then Peter mentions who, by the way, is our judge. He's going to be our judge. He, he, he doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't say whether we agree. He's just telling us that's the way it's going to be. And he's an impartial judge. An impartial judge. And he judges our deeds. And then he's saying, so if you call God your father, then you should conduct yourself, live on this earth. That's how the New American Standard translates that phrase, on earth. You should live in a way that shows you do fear God as your judge. Now, how does the blood of Christ apply to this? Well, you can live this way. You can live in the fear of God while living on this earth. Because you know something, you know you have been redeemed, you've been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ. And I'm going to use that redeemed, ransomed kind of interchangeably as we go through this. And so what Peter's doing is Peter is connecting the ability to live on this earth in the fear of God and understanding that God is our judge and living in that fear, he's connecting the ability to do that to the blood of Jesus Christ, to the precious blood of Christ. So believers who live this way, they can do so. The only reason believers can even do this is because they know they have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Now, the other side of this coin is that to not live in the fear of God on this earth is to live as if Christ's blood is not precious. Now, he doesn't say that explicitly, but it's implied there in understanding that to live in the fear of God is connected to the precious blood. To not live in the fear of God is then to live in a way as if Christ's blood really doesn't mean much to me at all. Second reason, Christ's blood is precious because it ransoms and redeems us from living futile, wasted lives on earth. Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. So Peter, right there in verse 18, he wants us to know something. See that word know, knowing this is not about uncertainty. Peter is not lifting up uh, like our culture does all the time. The, the, the fact that being uncertain and questioning and always living within the question as a value and a virtue. Scripture does very much the opposite. It puts the virtue in knowing and believing and having faith. And Peter wants his readers to know something. He wants them to know they were ransomed. Not to be uncertain about it. How did Christ's blood do this? What were, what were we redeemed from? Who paid the ransom? Who was it paid to? And why did it even need to be paid? These, these, are, these are questions that we need to know the answers to to see Christ's blood as precious. So I want to answer, I want to answer these. What were believers ransomed, redeemed from? Well, condemnation for our sin and rebellion against a holy God. Because each one of us have sinned. Each one of us have rebelled against a holy God ourselves. We have a nature to do it, but we also have done it. 
And so there's condemnation associated with that because God is righteous and he's a righteous judge. And so this, we have been ransomed, redeemed from that. Who paid the ransom? Jesus. God himself in the flesh suffered and sacrificially gave himself as our, as your atoning sacrifice on the cross. And that is how he paid that ransom. Now, who was it paid to? It's been said it's been, it was paid to Satan, and that's not true. It's not biblical, not, not to Satan. Christ's atoning sacrifice satisfied the justice that God required. It was God's holy justice that was at stake if sins were to just be left undealt with. So they had to be dealt with, and he dealt with them through his son, Christ. So God required that for our sin and rebellion against him. So sin had to be paid for. And we, so important for you to understand this, we couldn't do it. And when I say we, I mean humanity. Humanity could not deal with the sin problem on our own. Only Christ could. And this ransom and this redemption... What it, what, what it has saved us from, what Peter's telling us here, for this particular reason, saved us from living wasted, futile lives here on earth. Where you're just kind of going through the motions and you really don't know what your purpose is or why you really you're living or why you're dealing with all the frustration you're dealing with in this life. All the trouble, all the disappointment, all the things that happen in your life. And you say, why, why am I going through this? How? Well, it, when, when, when you have... This, this faith in Christ and being redeemed by his blood, you have purpose. Believers who have lived the hardest, most difficult lives, would, they would never trade that life in for anything better because they know that life was lived for the glory of God. A life lived for Christ. You need to know this, that a life lived for Christ is an abundant, meaningful life. Christians, uh, we, we, yeah, we, sometimes we'll put that, that smile on when, when we've got stuff going on inside and the smile's kind of covering it up and we need to be able to, you know, share that and, and, and receive encouragement from others. But, but Christ followers, we, we do not have to search for meaning in life because we have been given meaning and purpose. And that comes from Christ. And all of that is possible. See, what Peter's saying is all of this is possible because of the precious blood of Christ. That's why you don't have to live a futile life anymore. But if you, if you stayed apart from the blood of Christ, then it would be futile. Third reason is Christ's blood is precious because it came from the holy, sinless, perfect, beloved Son of God. Christ's blood is precious because it came from the holy, sinless, perfect, beloved Son of God. So let me ask you this question as we think about this text. What were you ransomed with? Now I want to look at verse 18. This is that last phrase in verse 18 and then verse 19. What were you ransomed with? Peter says, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. The blood shed for us was of 
infinite value and worth. Not like the perishable value of gold or silver. And it's so interesting that Peter would choose gold and silver, which have the highest value from an earthly standpoint. And we typically consider to be of great value. In order for our sin to be atoned for, it needed to be covered with the sinless, holy blood. It couldn't, our sins could not be covered with sinful blood. So that, that means no other person could do anything about it, including ourselves. Because the scripture says, and we all know that all of us are unrighteous and all have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. And, and so what, what, what I also want you to know is that biblical Christianity, what we receive out of, out of God's word here, this is the only religion, the only worldview that deals realistically with the sin problem that the world has. And I know as I say that, that especially with, with the amount of people that we have here, that there's probably people here who, who would not believe that. And, and I don't say that just to offend you. I, do, I say that honestly out of, out of love for you. But is there any question, really, just think about this. Is there any question that there is massive and widespread sin, immorality, and corruption in our world? Does anybody here have any, you know, question about that? That, oh, you know, no, actually everything looks really great out there. I really don't see any problems at all. No, like we see massive and widespread sin, immorality, and corruption in our world. Sometimes some of us turn off the news or turn off our feeds so that we don't have to see it anymore. And here's the question. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? That's, that's one of the, the biggest questions of life is how do we deal with all of that going on? Not just outside of us, but inside of us. And even in our own lives, we see it. And the reality is, is that the different ways that the world is approaching it is not, is not working. Finding your, your Zen state, it's not going to do it. There, there's different ways that people are trying to, to deal with it. One of, that, one of the ways is, is just to meditate it out. As if it's not there, but it's still there. We're not going to be able to deal with it through sinful people trying to do good deeds. Just think about that concept. Sinful people doing good deeds. How is that going to work? How is that going to fix anything? That won't work. So how do we deal with this sin problem? Well, Jesus, the perfect, the sinless, holy one, God in the flesh, gives himself... As an unblemished sacrifice. And only that perfect sacrifice will satisfy the righteous justice of our holy God. Because God is holy and his justice is righteous. And I can prove that too. I want to get, get back to that. I'll, I'll get back uh, to that in a, in a little bit. But now I want you to notice the analogy that Peter gives to describe this Jesus in verse 19. Look at verse 19. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 
Why does Peter use that analogy to describe the sacrifice of Christ? Well, the mention of the lamb brings us back to the exodus from Egypt. And and what did Israel do? What did they need to do to be saved from the 10th and the final plague? The angel of death was coming. And so, so God gave instruction to Moses and Moses then instructed the people and said they were told to slaughter a lamb, a male lamb without blemish. The best, the costliest, the most, the most valuable lamb they had. And then they were to take a hyssop branch and dip it into the blood and brush it on the doorframe, the top, both sides, and then blood would spill even as they were doing that, even on the bottom of the door or just even on the ground as they applied it. And so this was happening, this is, we're talking about in the beginning now, uh, this is the book of Exodus so long ago. And do you see the image that portrays? A foreshadowing of Christ's death on a cross. Now, now follow me on this because this, there's so much imagery here. Then to be saved from the plague, they had to enter the door. They had to go into the home and they had to close the door and not come out. That was the instruction. So paint the, paint the blood. You know, you have, to, you have to slaughter the lamb, paint the blood, go into the house. And then and the angel of death would then pass over, but they had to go into the house through the blood-stained door to be saved. Once inside, they were covered. The angel of death would pass over them. Pass over. That's, that's, this is essentially what it is celebrating. But it's not just celebrating something that happened in the past. It's a foreshadowing of what was to come. For us, it's still in our past as we look back to the cross. Exodus 12, 13 says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over them. All of this was a foreshadowing of Jesus and his eventual sacrifice. But listen, for the people to be saved, the lamb had to die. Every family knew that. For the family to be saved, the lamb had to die. His blood had to be applied to the doorposts in faith. And I want to ask you this question. When you think back at this story, what was it that saved Israel that night in Egypt? What was it that saved Israel that night in Egypt? Was it, was it Israel's army? You know, did, did, they, did they get an army together? Was it Moses, you know, saying, okay, Pharaoh, let's just go one-on-one, you know, and, and, and the winner takes all. You know, was it that kind of thing? Was it even a social revolution in Egypt? You know, we've been under these, these evil oppressors for so long, we're just going to rise up against them and, and overcome them. And we're going to change the entire uh, way Egyptians live their lives. No, none of that happened. That wasn't, that wasn't the way. Was it even the good deeds of the people? No, it wasn't the good deeds of the people. 
No, it was the blood of the lamb applied in faith that saved Israel that night. I want you to think about that. This whole story, if you, if you read through the, the, the story of, of what happened to the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus, and you, and you see how God called Moses, and then, and then you have the first plague, and the second, and it's everything that's happening, that whole story is going one place. Here. To point to Jesus. It's about the fact that after this, they were saved. And that is precisely what Peter is saying here in 1 Peter 1. It's precisely what he's saying. It is still the blood of the lamb that saves. The lamb of God. Jesus, the true Passover lamb. The precious blood of Christ. Fourth reason, Christ's blood is precious because his redemptive death was planned by God before the foundation of the world. Look at verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. Peter tells us that this plan to save, to redeem, to ransom, it was planned before the foundation of the world. Think about that. Have you ever planned something for a really long time, like a big event, you know, like even for months? But then maybe, maybe you've planned something that's been going for years and you finally get to that point, that day that you've been planning for and now you see the culmination of all the, of all the planning and you're nervous and you're hoping it all comes together and then actually it does come together the way that you plan and at the end you're like, wow, that feels pretty good. That, that was pretty special. I can't believe how that happened. Imagine a plan to save and redeem the world over millennia. How precious that person is that comes to fulfill that plan. The whole plan before the foundation of the world hinges on this one person. Everything that happened before he came led to him coming. Everything that happened after he came changed as a result of him coming. Everything. And to think it required this person's death and this person's precious blood. Of course, the man, God in the flesh, Christ Jesus. It's precious because his, this whole plan has been happening since the foundation of the world and fifth, fifth reason, Christ's blood is precious because it was shed for you. It was shed for you. And I want to explain who, who I mean by you because Peter does. Those whom Christ will save. Verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. He explains who you is, who through him are believers in God. Peter wrote this letter to believers who were living in this Greco-Roman world in a lot of persecution and they were living as exiles in this land and he's saying to these people this Jesus 
who was known before the foundation of the world, he was made known, meaning he came to earth as a man. He lived, he died, he shed his blood, and he did all of that for you. Those he came to save. And it's the same here today that, that I can tell you as we look back at, at, at the cross that, that this shedding of blood was done for you to be saved. For me to be saved. Christ's blood is precious because it's blood spilled for us. You see, this, is, this story of Jesus on the cross, it's not just a, it's not just a news video of something happening in our country or across the world where we see horror and we see tragedy and we just, and we say, oh, I can't watch that. It's so horrible. That's so terrible. And I'm not saying it's not. It is. Those things are. But this is different. This is very different because what we're talking about, what happened to Jesus, happened because of you and for you. So we look at it very differently. For me, because of me. So it's not, it's not just like something we're just seeing happening that we're separated from. This blood, it saves, it keeps, it cleanses, it purifies. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that this blood was shed for you, that we may be cleansed and saved by it. The precious blood of Christ. Now, how did God unmistakably prove that Christ's precious blood is the only means for covering the sins of humanity? How did God do that? I told you earlier this could be proved, that Christ's precious blood is the only means for covering and dealing with the sin of humanity that we see all over in our world. Well, what is that proof? Well, that proof is that God raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. God raised Christ from the dead and gave him glory. Verse 21, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope, my faith, my hope can be in God. If Jesus stayed dead in the grave, he would have been just another prophet. He would have been a really good one, but still nothing more than a really good prophet. He would have been no better than the lambs in Egypt. They died too and never came back. But this lamb was different. This lamb of God died sacrificially to pay for sin. And then he was raised back to life so that our hope, our faith might remain in him. And right now, he is in glory with the Father awaiting his return. Now, how is this proof? Because I said it's proof. How is it proof? Stay with me on this. The resurrection, the resurrection was God's official declaration to the world that this Jesus is the only one who can save people from their sin and shame. By raising him back to life, he was saying he is like no other. And he was raised back to life, never to die again. Different from some of those that we have in the scriptures who were raised to life to prove that Jesus is God. 
God was officially telling the world, he's the one. Don't miss him. I'm going to make it so obvious to you. He'll be the only one who's ever lived who died and came back and never died again. You can't, you can't, you can't miss that. But yet we do. God sent him, God loved him, God crushed him, and God raised him to life again, all to redeem us. To redeem us. I have two questions that I want to leave you with. The first one is for those who, for whatever reason, have not trusted in the precious blood of Christ for your own salvation. So maybe you're, you're here, you don't come to church very often, and, and that may be the case for you. Just have a question for you to think about, and that's all I'll ask for you to do is think about it. If not the precious blood of Christ, what are you trusting in to be your salvation? If it's not his blood, what is it? The text says God is your judge, and he judges impartially. So the question is, what are you trusting in? being a good person, doing enough good, then why did Jesus die? Why would he have to shed his blood? If, if we could just do enough good deeds, it wouldn't make any sense that the son of God would have to give his life. Why would there be a plan since the foundation of the world? Are you trusting in other maybe worldviews and and religions, other ways, other paths to God. You might say, Pastor, you don't understand. It's good to be here today, but I have another path that I'm, that I'm following. All of them were started by a human who also died and could not conquer death themselves. The question is, what can they offer about life? Because only Jesus conquered death and only Jesus can offer eternal life. And when Jesus returns, he's going to be looking for the blood, just like that night in Egypt. He'll be looking to see who's covered by his precious blood. And that blood must be applied to us by faith. And you do that by trusting in faith in what Christ's precious blood has done for you. Now the second question, this one is for believers. For those of you who have trusted Christ are you living in a way that demonstrates Christ's blood as precious? Is that how you're living? I asked you this when we started and I told you we'd get back to it. Do you sin routinely and willingly knowing, kind of taking for granted that God will just forgive you? It's not living in a way that shows Christ's blood as precious. Living in this world as if Christ's blood is not strong enough to keep you from sin is to live as if Christ's blood is not precious. Because it shows Christ's blood is insignificant. This blood is imperishable, Peter told us. It's eternally durable. You know what that means? It means once it covers you and your sin, it finishes what it started it doesn't stop working. You're not a Christian for 12 years and all of a sudden you, you look down at some sort of device to determine how much blood is still covering you. Is it expiring? Is it becoming ineffective? You know, do I need to do something? No, it is imperishable. That's why Peter said you can't compare it. You, you weren't purchased with gold or silver. 
No, you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ. Christ's blood is precious. It was costly. It cost his life, his suffering and pain. And he did it all to cover our sin, our shame, and to redeem and ransom us. And then his resurrection proved just how precious his blood really is. So precious that only his blood could atone for our sin. And so my prayer for you this Easter, very simple. May we not simply say Christ's blood is precious, but may we show it in how we live. That this, that I, we have been purchased and ransomed and redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. It needs to affect how we live. Let's pray together. Lord God, it is an amazing story. The story of God himself coming in human flesh to this world and coming for the purpose of giving his life, shedding his blood to cover our sin. We thank you, God, for that love. We thank you for that mercy. And you didn't come because of things we did, because we were so attractive. You came out of your own mercy and love for all of us, and we thank you for that. And Lord Jesus, we're so thankful to you for the shedding of your blood. We're so thankful to you for how it is, an, is imperishable. It, it does what you say it does. It covers sin. It covers shame. It covers failure. Help us to live in that victory. And as we do, we prove and we demonstrate and we show that Christ's blood is precious. So help us, Lord, for those that maybe be thinking about different ways that maybe giving in to, to sin and other ways of life that are showing that Christ's blood is not precious. I pray that you would help them today to recognize the victory they have in and through the precious blood of Christ and to, help, and to give them the strength to walk in it. Lord Jesus, continue to speak to us and to help us realize what a wonderful and amazing sacrifice it was when you gave yourself for us. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood in your name. Amen.